This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. And I am coming to you live from my little studio beneath the stairs. We're doing it from the home studio tonight back in Liberty Village. Owen Wolf is on the big audio board twisting the knobs and dials. And Ryan White is my live stream producer. We are streaming live on YouTube ch- on the uh, YouTube channel, and that is Strange Planet. So if you want to watch the radio program, get on up there, Strange Planet, on the YouTube channel. And uh, don't forget to hit that red sub button. I think we're around 16,500 subscribers. We would like to get to 20,000. So if you can help us out, please do so. Carl Gallops is uh, with us, a talk show host, senior pastor, at uh, Hickory Hammock Baptist Church, former law enforcement official in the state of Florida, and uh, also a, a best-selling author, his latest, the third in his God's trilogy is Gods of the Final Kingdom. And we are talking about, right now, we're talking about um, scientific evidence for multiple dimensions, uh, which could include an angelic realm, a demonic realm, paradise, the garden. So all of these uh, referenced in the Bible, of course, uh, we were talking about uh, uh, St. Paul, and uh, he talked about, you know, being in the throne room, but also being in his body, which tends to suggest, you know, this idea that we can exist in more than one place at at the same time. Scientists say, yes, protons behave very oddly. They do seem to exist in more than one place at one time. And then we have this thing called particle entanglement, where if you have two electrons, now help me walk, walk me through this. If you have two electrons and if you vibrate one, the other will vibrate, right? If they're, yeah. Even if they're not in close proximity, one could be across the galaxy. And if you vibrate one, that one across the galaxy will also vibrate. Correct. That's that's particle entanglement, correct? That's correct, and that is an absolutely proven scientific fact of, of physics. And yes, your audience that's listening that knows quantum physics uh, more than I uh, can attest to that. Yes, that's absolutely right. Particle entanglement, yeah. And, and so, you know, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, even if it's not even across the galaxy, it could be in another universe, and they would vibrate at exactly the same time, faster than the speed of light. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, that's right. Because of what we already know, we can, we can certainly uh, make that scientific uh, uh, assumption. And, and, you know, and the thing about it is, so I use the illustration of Paul, but John on the island of Patmos is another one. He's on the island of Patmos. He said, and so I was here, and on the Lord's day, I heard a voice behind me saying, come up here. And then the next thing you know, he's in the throne room of God. But here's the thing. He didn't leave the island of Patmos. There was no big search for him. He didn't disappear. They didn't think he had escaped. He was there. But yet he was in the throne room of God and received the entire revelation, which so much of it is coming to pass in our own day. We're right in the edges of it right now. And so, but, but 
so there's another example. Listen, the Bible is filled with examples of portals. I mean, let's just break it down like this. As simple as this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes unto the Father but by me. Then he goes on to say, I am the door. I am the gate. Nobody gets into the dimension, if you will, of heaven but by me. In other words, Jesus, if he, if he would use modern vernacular, saying, look, I'm the portal. Yet between this dimension of this fallen realm, this fish tank you're in now, that's getting dirtier and dirtier, and it's getting ready to be made new. Everything's getting ready to be made new. But in the meantime, I am the door. I am the portal to another dimension. It's called paradise. And by the way, that word paradise, and you and I have talked about this before on your show, in the New Testament, there's only three times where that word is used. And it's translated in the Hebrew to English, uh, or, the, or from the Greek to Hebrew New Testament. It's translated, I, um, Jesus said, today you will be with me to the thief. He said, today you will be with me in Gan Eden. That's paradise. The Hebrew words, two words, Gan Eden, Garden of Eden. Paradise is speaking of the, rest- of, of the Garden of Eden, which has always been there, but been, has been cut off by a dimensional divide, and there is a portal that you enter to go through, and that portal is Jesus Christ, and according to the Scriptures and His blood. That's why the Bible, though I'm telling you, the Bible is filled with understandings of multiple dimensions, portals. Jesus says He holds the keys to death and hell. Well, what are those? Other dimensions. Why do you need keys? Well, it's symbolic, but it means He's the portal. He's the master of the way to go from one to the other. Uh, the Bible speaks of a separation, Satan in the last days, and his angels and his messengers thrown into the lake of fire, where they will be eternally separated from everything else. What is it? It's a dimensional separation. That, that, that n- there is no portal. There is a chasm between the two, if you will, and it cannot be crossed. It is as though he never existed, because he's now in a dimensional, maybe a, a different universe, 103 universes away. Who knows? But the Word of God just says these things, Richard, and and we miss so much of it. You very seldom hear any of this preached or taught, this understanding of, of what now science is now verifying for those that need science. All I need is the Word, but I mean, it's it's cool to see that science verifies multiple dimensions, multiple universes, portals. That's what the whole CERN Hedron Collider is about. It's about looking for portals and multiple dimensions, right. and they. I do want to. We good. We'll get into uh, the Hadron yeah. Collider in hour two. I definitely want to approach yeah. that because that's uh, fascinating. Uh, but I, just coming back to particle entanglement for a minute, and the idea of of an electron or a proton vibrating in in this dimension, let's say, and then across the universe, uh, it's it's twin, I guess, also vibrating at exactly the same rate at exactly the same time, uh, at this greater than the speed of light. It's happening simultaneously. In other words, time and distance don't matter when we're yeah. talking about quantum entanglement. And to me, when something like that, you're, you're talking about faster than the speed of light, I'm just wondering, is that how prayer works? You know, I actually speculate on that. Now, now I'm going to tell your audience, now I'm speculating, but it's what I call biblical speculation. But I think it is. I think it's, I think it's similar to that. I think it's something like that, because that, that, that is a demonstration. What we now know about quantum physics and quantum entanglement and, and other uh, understandings of, of, of quantum science, what we now know is illustrative, even if metaphor, just metaphorically, but I think it's more than that. I think it's a, 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 almost a physical illustration 
of this whole understanding of prayer, this whole understanding of God communicating his soul to our soul. Look, we, if we can invent a cell phone, I mean, think of what a cell phone does. I'm, I'm just going to simplify it, oversimplify it, but a little black box, I speak into it. It turns my voice into digital zeros and ones, if you will, turns it into a digital uh, communication. It, it shoots it off into space. It, it connects with an antenna. It bounces it out. It looks for the phone that I've dialed a digital number to find that code. It finds that black box on the other side of the, the continent, let's say, and it transforms that digital voice into my regular voice, and it does it instantaneously, if you have a good connection. <laughs> but, but, it, but it does it, and, and, and we don't question that. We use it every day. We think, ah, oh, my cell phone's not working. Can you hear me now? Man, I wish this cell phone. But, but we depend upon it. We'd, well, if we, with all of our limitation in this goldfish bowl, can come up with a communication device like that, why cannot the creator of the universe who created us in his image have implanted within us a communication device called the soul that he can connect to across dimensional divides, across the worlds and the universes and the galaxies, however he needs to do it, throughout the various multiverses, that he can just simply speak to our soul and we can speak back to him and know that we have communicated with our creator of course we can quantum physics indicates that that is highly possible that's that's a good explanation for how that whole thing works there's just one example a little speculative on my part but as i say i think pretty biblically speculative prayer as quantum communication we'll take a time out we'll open up the phone lines this coming hour and uh, we'll also talk about the large hadron collider what does that have to do with the bible back with more of my conversation with carl gallops right here on the conspiracy show my name is richard Serrett. don't go away live from toronto canada earth the conspiracy show with richard Serrett on zoomer radio Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hide all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM here in Toronto. How do to uh, those of you tuning us in on one of our affiliate stations across North America, from Alaska to Albuquerque and all points in between. Hey, you checking us out on the Zoomer Radio and Conspiracy Show apps. And hi to everyone listening and watching on the YouTube channel Strange Planet and those of you, of course, in the live chat. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Carl Gallops is here. We've been discussing his new book, the third in the God series, Gods of the Final Kingdom. Just a quick programming note. Next week, a tribute to the late Stanton Friedman, Donald Schmidt, uh, the great Roswell investigator, uh, who really in many respects picked up the mantle of Stanton Friedman, who was sort of the first civilian to investigate the Roswell UFO crash. Uh, Donald Schmidt will be here in hour one next week as we pay a special tribute to the grandfather of ufology stanton friedman who recently passed at the age of 84 in the second hour paranormal investigator rosemary ellen guiley will be here 
All right. We are, uh, as I say, joined by Carl Gallup. He's longtime senior pastor at Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, former decorated law enforcement official, best-selling author, talk show host. And this hour, we are opening up the phone lines and taking questions and comments as we continue to discuss cosmic mysteries of the Bible, the cosmic war, the existence of hyperdimensions as proven by quantum physics, what that means, biblically speaking, and how does the Large Hadron Collider fit into all of this? CERN in Switzerland, it's a far-reaching metaphysical discussion, and we hope you'll get on board at 416-360-0740, in the greater Toronto area, and then toll-free from just about anywhere, one 866 740 So, Carl, welcome back. And we were discussing multiple dimensions, and you hinted at, at this just before the top of the hour. The Large Hadron Collider in CERN. Yeah. Uh, this amazing structure, I guess, just outside of Geneva. And there's another one in China, you pointed out in the book, which I was not aware of. Yeah, but yeah. this device—it's basically—it's—it's it's firing off these subatomic particles in opposite directions at the speed of light, hoping that they'll collide. And then, what is the point? You know, they're observing their collision. They're hoping to do what? Get a glimpse of how the universe was born, that sort of thing. Yes, exactly. I, I can tell you what their own website and their own material says. And again, I'm, I'm not pretending like I'm, I'm some quantum physics expert. I know just enough to uh, to understand its potential tie to biblical truth. And then, of course, I quote and 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 resource the experts. And so you're you're absolutely right. They hope to discover the the basics, the foundations, the building blocks, some, something that they can physically, tangibly, you know, hang their hat on concerning the creation of the of the cosmos. And, of course, for those of us that know the Word of God, I mean, all we need to know spiritually, biblically, is right there. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong in just, you know, using our brains that God gave us to continue to seek His face and to seek uh, His the, the vastness of how things were created. I mean, it just, it should bring our hearts and souls closer to Him. But the other thing that's a little bit disturbing Disturbing about this is that on their website, and again, China is building one now. They're they're not completed. They don't expect it to be completed for another, I think, close to ten years. But they're feverishly trying to to uh, build one bigger than the one in Switzerland, um, which right now is the largest man-made was the largest machine ever invented, ever made, three hundred feet below the ground, miles and miles long, in, a, in the shape of a of a circle. It's just amazing machine, and it it, it took years and hundreds and hundreds of scientists to build, and they're trying to discover the building blocks of the universe, anything else they can find out about quantum particles, but on their websites and in their literature, they also say, we're hoping to discover different dimensions, multiple dimensions, and the portals to those dimensions, and then they go on to say, and all of this is referenced in my book, and that we're hoping we can go put something into that portal into another dimension and, quote, see what happens, or maybe get something to come out of 
those other dimensions and, quote, see what happens. That's a little scary language <laughs> for people that are, you know, I mean, I love science. I'm kind of a, I'm not an expert, but I'm a geek about all this stuff. I love reading about it. And, and again, comparing it to the scriptural uh, uh, proclamations about these things. But when I start, when I start listening to these, these scientists, and see, this is what I want your audience to know. This is not science fiction we're talking about. This is not stuff you and I are pulling out of our back pocket. The Word of God speaks candidly about multiple dimensions and portals and transportation and and time warps. I mean, it does from Old Testament to New Testament to the very last book of the Bible. These things are discussed. And so now our, quote, modern science, through the Hadron Collider, for example, is is showing, it's demonstrating that, that these potentialities are great multiple dimensions portals into them doorways in and out and so so you know that's why i bring this up in the book to say look you know you can read the bible and you can read about these various dimensions and jesus saying he is a portal he's the way he's got the keys to this one to that one heaven hell demons angels the whole bit and you can scoff and you can mock and say oh that's junk well that's not what science is saying. Now, they're not saying we're verifying the Bible, but they are saying it's entirely possible for a particle, a, 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 an atomic particle, to be in two places at once. It's entirely pos- possible to take two particles out of the same atom, send them one to one end of the galaxy, one to the other, and they still respond to each other at the speed of light once they are stimulated at the same time. And they are also saying, we now know that there literally are multiple dimensions of physical realities. We, we, there may be even multiple universes. We're just now discovering these truths, scientific truths, and now we're trying to determine how to explore them deeper, how to open portals and go from one dimension to another. I mean, this is, this is real-life stuff, but yet the Bible has spoken of these things for thousands of years. Now, getting back to the, 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 the collider, and you mentioned yeah. they're interested in seeing if they can uh, ascertain you know, or, or determine whether there are other uh, – they can create a portal into other dimensions – to me, that sounds like going back to the, the fish tank analogy you talked about earlier, how yeah. we are, you know, we're unaware of the other dimensions. We're like, you likened us into goldfish in a fish tank. Uh, this sounds like they're, they're getting ready perhaps to poke holes in the fish tank. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that could have some unattended consequences, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, it'd be like a fish poking the hole through the surface and somehow thinking he's going to live outside of it as a fish and look at it and we'll know it'll kill him is what it'll do. So I don't know. I mean, listen, I am all for scientific exploration. I mean, I'm not one of these guys that say, you know, anything technological, anything scientific, sending people into space, that's evil, that's demonic. I'm not one of those guys. But I do say, just because we think we can do something doesn't mean we need to do it. <laughs> and, and of course, most of our, I guess most, I know it's, the media presents it as most of our scientific field completely just denies the Bible as the Word of God. They laugh at it. They scoff at it. Yet, you're right. It sounds like they're getting ready to poke holes in the fish tank and say, oh, good, let's open a portal. Yeah, but, you know, you're talking about get something getting sucked into it. What if your whole world gets sucked into it, <laughs> like would happen with if a fish could drill through the fish tank, you know. So the bottom line is, look, 
it, it, this helps to explain when we open the pages of the Bible and we read about the realm of the demonic, the realm of the angelic, the realm of the divine council, the realm of paradise, the realm of prison, the holding place, hell, the realm of paradise to come, the realm of the world to come, the realm of the lake of fire and the final judgment and the eternal separation, the realm of death. Uh, the realm of this fallen world. I mean, on and on and on. The Bible speaks of all of these various dimensions, and the Word of God is clear. These are real, physical dimensions with real, physical, living beings that the Creator of the universe has inhabited these places. So uh, the Word of God's been telling us this, and, and there's a great final kingdom that is on its way, thus the title of the book, The Gods of the Final Kingdom. There's a great final kingdom on its way under the headship of Jesus Christ, and we that are believers are ambassadors of that kingdom to come. But in the meantime, it's interesting to watch the scientific community look for the very same things that the Bible has been telling us exist all along. So I say to them, good luck. <laughs> in well, the meantime, I, you know, I'm a believer, so I belong to the Lord. It, I, I'm not too much worried about it, but it's fascinating to watch all of this. Well, a couple of things. One, I have read, and I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but it's been stated online, for what it's worth, that it's kind of puzzling. Supposedly, at the location outside of Geneva, where CERN is located, there is a statue dedicated to the to God God of Shiva, mm-hmm. uh, which, if I'm not mistaken, is that not the Hindu god of d- destruction? Correct. Yes. No, Are you right. familiar? Is that is that yes. true? Is is the God yes. Shiva statue there? Well, I have not been there to see it with my own eyes, but everything I've read on the internet uh, concerning that institute and what's there says the same thing. I mean, I've not really seen anything that refutes it. So if you and I discover that it's not, we'll certainly correct it. But uh, based upon the information I have, that's exactly right. So, uh, yeah, and that is the Hindu goddess of uh, destruction or chaos, chaos and destruction. So, I mean, I, listen, it's 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 amazing um What's happening in the world? I mean, we're the, we're the first generation in the history of the planet to see so many amazing prophetic things happening. I mean, no generation before us has seen anything like this, like, like CERN and what they're doing and what they're saying, that the kinds of scientific discoveries we're making now. I mean, again, I can get very theological here and biblical, but the return of Israel, the return of Jerusalem to Israel as the capital, the collapsing of borders, the technological explosion, the demonic outpouring of filth and perversion all over the planet. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, brother. And so it, right in the midst of it, you know, I'm I'm trying to get folks to understand what we're watching happening. The Bible has been talking about this. The gods of the final kingdom. That there's a cosmic clash, and and it's underway, and we're watching it with our eyes. And most of us don't even really realize what we're seeing. Do, do demons? I mean, demons don't require uh, for us to punch a hole into another dimension for them to come in, they can come in and go as they please. Uh, Right. I'm just trying to figure out whether CERN might facilitate some sort of end time scenario. It could. I mean, a lot of people speculate that, uh, and let me just address what you just said about, they can come into ours, but we can't go into theirs. Not yet. Um, not, not in this body not from this world. In fact, the Word of God says, you know, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now we're not talking about demons. We're talking about God's presence, the angelic realm. So we've got to be somehow transformed. 
And the Bible says that. We will be transformed into his likeness, into the likeness of the angels. We will be like the angels, the Bible says. What does that mean? We'll live forever. We will have bodies. We will be glorified. We'll be in another dimension. But yes, here's an illustration. Take a lake. All of the fish and all the aquatic uh, creatures that live below the surface that cannot come above the surface without dying, that's their world, their universe. Watch. I can put on a scuba diving outfit and go into their world anytime I want, but they can never come into my world without dying, not in the flesh and blood they're in. But in my flesh and blood, I have the ability to break through the surface of their world, the portal, if you will, and go from my dimension of reality into their dimension of reality. They look at me. They don't know what I am, but let's just pretend like two fish can talk together somehow and say, is that a human? I think that's a human. That's I've heard of humans before. They're, they're, now we know what a human looks like. Well, watch this. Actually, if they see me in a scuba diving outfit, they see the form of me, but they really don't know me. Because I really don't look like that in my realm. I don't walk around in a scuba diving outfit. And when I take it off, you know, there's the real me. And they can't imagine what the real me knows and thinks about. And they can't imagine what I do and how I live my life and the universe that I live in. So the fish really has very little knowledge of me, even though they see me and think they understand it. So that's kind of what we're talking about here. That's what the Word of God is clear. Look, there is a demonic realm. That's why, what's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods, little g, before me. What does that stand for? That stands for the Hebrew word Elohim, which can be used of the angels, the obedient angels, or it could, as where, where it speaks of God's little g, it can be used of the demonic realm. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, Your forefathers worshipped gods, which were no gods at all, but were demons. The Bible says that. So that's the title of my book, Gods, with, you know, plural, of the final kingdom. In other words, there's a cosmic clash for the kingdom that is to come. Satan is desperately trying to hang on to what we would call this fallen realm because it's the only kingdom he has. But Jesus Christ, according to the Word of God, has won it back at the cross and at the resurrection and is coming again to set up the final kingdom. And in the meantime, Satan's doing everything he can to thwart it. So you're right. They can come in and out of our dimension, but we cannot go into theirs, which scares me a little bit about CERN. You know, I'm scared for the world, not for myself, but just... It, they're they're going to poke around and poke a hole into something, perhaps, that they can't take back. It's Pandora's box. We've already opened Pandora's box with so much of our technology, genetic editing, and et cetera. I mean, I could talk about that all night. But but this CERN thing, um, you know, I don't know if God will allow it, Richard. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's the power. He is the power of it all. He He spoke quantum mechanics into existence. So... You know, he can do as he wishes with all of this. We're like ants in an anthill compared to, you know, to a human. I mean, you know, and, and, and as God is to us. So he can stop it. But if he allows it, if he allows it, we're not going to outsmart God. But if Satan keeps putting into the minds of men these demonic things and these technologies, see, that's what happened before the flood, something like this. I mean, Jesus says it's going to be just like the days of Noah before the return of the Lord. What happened before the flood? The Bible says all flesh became corrupted, and God said man is going to do anything his mind can conceive, and God pushed the reset button on it. He pushed the reset button. He destroyed everything except for the one family and the animals he put on that ark. 
And Jesus said, in the last days, it's going to be just like the days of Noah. So I think we're getting very close to that. If God allows it again, we're going to wind up helping him push the reset button again. All right, let's go to the phones, and uh, let's say hi to, let's start with Al, who's checking in from Oshawa. Al, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hello, Al, are you there? I'm from Scarborough. Oh, you're calling from Scarborough. Okay, go ahead. You got got the right, Al? I believe you're the one, yes. I just finished reading a book. And it's called, the book is called Spooky at a Distance. Yeah. And it explains particles that happen at great distances simultaneously at the same time. And I think I can figure out how this happens. There's such a thing as a neutrino wave. And this neutrino wave passes through Earth. And there's no encumbrances at all. You can have a mountain or you can have a brick wall. And the neutrino wave will pass right through that wall. Now, when you have a thought, like a neuro, in your own mind, you can have a neurotransmitted thought. And that thought is indelible, and it's picked up by the neutrino wave. Now, let's explain one other thing. When they had it in the Gulf, and all those, that oil spill, and they had ducks, people went retrieve the birds and the ducks. They brought them back to a lab, and they washed the oil off those birds and ducks. In other words, they did something for humanity. Now, the ducks aren't going to reward them, but God will reward them for doing a good deed. At the same time, if a man living on a farm beats a dog to to death, and he figures no one saw that happen, The neutrino wave picked that up, and it's passed on to the neurotransmission in your own brain. This is how God will record every person. So in other words, the purpose of life is accountability. We're all accountable for what we do in life. You're saying that we communicate through uh, neutrinos. Uh, Al, great call. Thank you for checking in. We've got to take a quick time out. And we have a DNA, and the DNA is picked up. Okay, I've got to run. I've got to break. We're hard up against a break. I'll get Carl to respond on the other side. Al, thanks for the call. Back with more of my conversation with Carl Gallops, Gods of the Final Kingdom, The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. And we are back with Carl Gallops. 
gods of the final kingdom. Uh, I want to get to a couple of more calls, and then I want to get into a discussion, Carl, about uh, God deciding to join us in the fishbowl, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about uh, you know Jesus uh, being God in the flesh and what that means. But uh, I want to first have you respond if you have anything to add to uh, Al's call, talking yeah. about neutrinos and uh, how this may be how we communicate with God. What do you think? Well, no, it, it could be. I'm familiar with the concept of, the, of quantum physics and neutrinos, um, and, and we could get into a lengthy, lengthy discussion on that. But I would just say to Al, kudos, you know, for giving thought to this and for tying together some of these things. And listen, the bottom line is, and I make this clear in the book, I'm not saying that quantum mechanics or quantum physics explains everything in the Word of God about multiple dimensions and portals and prayer and, you know, and, and, and holding us accountable and the books being opened, accountability in the last days at the great white throne, everything we've said or done, what will be kept in secret will be shouted from the rooftops, Jesus said. The book of Revelation speaks of the books being opened and our names in the book or not in the book. Everything we've ever done is in the book. The, Psalm 138, our names were written in the, in, in the book of life before... Uh, a single second of our life came to be. I mean, the Word of God is filled with this understanding that somehow our entire life is recorded, and it's in a book. And everything that we do, the choices we make, everything, it's there. And, 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 and that's, a, that's a huge accountability factor. In other words, you know, we can't ever stand before God. There'll be no trial in heaven. The trial is this life. It's judgment after that. If you're not under, this is what the Bible says. I'm not trying to be too preachy, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel either. The Bible says if you're not under the blood, then you're under judgment. And, and if you think you're going to even begin to argue that, the books will be opened. And everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever done, everything you thought that was done in secret will be exposed to the world until you hit your knees and say, oh, my God, I deserve this. I deserve death and hell. Please quit reading the book. You know, this is horrible. I mean, I mean that the Word of God says that. So, so but now, uh, you know, I'm not saying that all of this is brought about through quantum mechanics, but, but, but look, it explains it. I mean, God created the quantum particles. He created the atomic uh, particles and the energy that holds it all together, which, by the way, is, you know, photons, if you will. Uh, another word is light. Light holds it everything together. And then you get in the book of Colossians, and Jesus says all things were created by him, for him. Nothing that's been created was created without him. And in him, all things hold together. In Jesus, atomic structure holds together. What did Jesus say he was? He said, I am the light of the world. And if you're in me, you are becoming the light as well. I mean, the Bible is filled with this kind of language that now we understand in science is reality. So I think Al was on to something. Surely he's on to the biblical truth of accountability. And he might be on to something as to how God records all of this. Bottom line is this, Richard. We're goldfish in a goldfish tank inside of a mansion. We have no idea what we don't know about life and the universe. We think we're so smart. We think we're so intelligent. And we are, but I mean, we don't even come close to the intelligence of the fallen realm, of Satan and the demonic realm, much less the angelic realm, much less the throne of God. We have no clue what we don't know. 
And so we need to be very careful about being prideful and arrogant about all that we know and making grand proclamations about, well, God doesn't exist, and you're an idiot if you believe it. Now that we know what we know about multiple dimensions and instantaneous communication between elements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then you compare it to the Scriptures that basically, in much simpler terms and in theological terms, have been saying the very same thing for thousands of years before we discovered it scientifically. So I think Al's on to something. Yeah, I've always thought, you know, that that many people who think they're on divergent paths maybe are speaking about the same thing, but in a different language. So in other words, mathematicians and theoretical physicists and cosmologists and so forth, and and those who are are spiritual, we may all be talking at the same thing, just using different language, but we don't realize it. Our language really divides us, but we we are on the same page. Yeah, I agree with you. I've often had the same thought. I think the only thing that divides us is our acknowledgement of our divine creator, of the creator God, the creator of the universe, the intelligence behind it all. When we disacknowledge his existence, um, that's when we start getting in an awful lot of trouble, because we live in a fallen world. Look, all seven billion of us. I mean, if we're honest, every one of us struggles with an internal, at least, struggle between good and evil continually. And most of the time, we give over to evil in one way or the other. And most of the planet actually acts it out. I mean, the whole planet is fallen. And so you're right. I think we all eventually begin to talk about the same stuff. We use different language and different uh, different uh, um, um, uh, platforms like mathematics or science or you know quantum physics, etc., or Bible theology. But when we begin to acknowledge this world that we live in, just what we know about it, could not have happened by some accidental random cosmic explosion into a mud sludge pond that developed into living things, all 25 million species of life and 7 billion humans and all of the variations. I mean, it just, it just can't. It's impossible. It's mathematically, statistically I, impossible. I love the uh, – there's a, a wonderful book. I can't remember the title, but it has to do with – it's basically imagine a tornado, a random act at this – tornado touching down in a junkyard and it puts together a 747 jumbo jet i mean the human body is far more complex than even a 747 but that's what that's the that's sort of the analogy that that this is all an accident that it's random that a tornado could touch down in a junkyard take all the desperate parts and put together a 747 uh, something that complex let's say hi to melanie in toronto melanie good evening welcome to the conspiracy show Good evening. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I made a couple of quick observations, if I'm allowed to speak on them. Um, first of all, as a pastor, you know, and as a Christian, that salvation comes through Christ, not through our own acts. We can do whatever we want, great acts or bad acts, if we think that we are salvation ourselves, that we can save ourselves. It's impossible. Only through the blood of Christ and acceptance of His sacrifice for us that that is already done, and we do not live in guilt. We live in correcting ourselves on a daily basis, knowing we've already been saved. But the other thing that I've noticed is the Bible speaks, and I'm a new reader to the Bible, speaks of those that were so intelligent and so educated and so knowledgeable that they were actually fools. And I said to myself, as you were speaking about half an hour ago, why is it that uh, Christ 
revealed himself, and all the book of Revelation was written 2,000 years ago, and not today. I mean, my gosh, I mean, can you imagine if Christ came today? But there's a reason for that, that there was a lot more innocence in uh, the people of 2,000 years ago. And I don't mean innocence in their behavior, but innocence. They had no quantum mechanics. They had no Lucerne. They had no knowledge of atomic structure. And they were more open and willing as children, as innocent children, innocent from the science, innocent from the knowledge that we think we're so smart today, that Christ appeared and they were open, open to that knowledge and acceptance of Christ. This is why Christianity spread so quickly. Whereas today, uh, the scientists would be the one uh, building the cross for Christ, and it wouldn't be uh, Caesar, and it wouldn't be the government, even though the government does contribute to that. Uh, when we have corrupt and bad government, which is what's seeping into our society now around the world. And Melanie, we're just about we're running into a yeah. break here, so I want to give Carl a chance to respond because you made some excellent points about why he came then versus today and how science would look at it and so forth. Interesting well, you points. Know, just one quick uh, comment. The brain, I was watching on the brain structure, the brain is so dense that not even any light, blue light, can go through it. This is why we can't, uh, one neuroscientist said the brain is so dense that we don't even know 1% of the brain. So to invent Lucerne or even to get great knowledge about the structure of space from 30 million years ago is irrelevant to me. What yeah, let's start with the brain. Yeah, let's talk the, about exactly, inner space, not outer space. If you know space. the brain, if you can tell me how the brain works, why we do what we do, now that would be amazing. Yeah. The collider and all, all right. of that, Melanie, that's secondary. Yeah. Okay, great, great call, Melanie. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, I was just going to say, Melanie, thank you. God bless you. Amen and amen. You're speaking so much truth. And, you know, just think of your illustration of the brain. What is the brain? Well, just physically speaking, it's a chunk of meat that looks kind of like a meatloaf. There's no hard drive. There are no wires. There are no batteries. There, 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 there's no, uh, I mean, it's just a chunk of meat. Yet it produces the slightest measurably electric currents, and, 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 and then that controls the entire human body. Not only that, the thought process, the dream process, the thinking process, the speaking process, all of the organs of the body, all of the functions, all of the systems, a chunk of meat. We don't have a clue how that happens how it happened, where it came from. Oh, we can describe it in medical books, how it works, the synapses, you know, and, and, the, and, the, and the potassium and the sodium and the electrons and the, you know, and everything and how it, we understand that. But we can't create anything like that. We can't take a chunk of meat and make it operate systems without some kind of power source and some kind of intelligence. It is they can't even begin to discuss consciousness. Oh, where I does know. that we come We don't even from? know what that is. <laughs> so, Carl, we've got to take point. a time out. We'll come back, take some more calls. Bowl. We don't and, know uh, what we don't know about the rest of the world. Exactly. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back. <laughs> Carl Gallup's right here on The Conspiracy Show and more of your calls. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740. Or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Hey, welcome back. Just a reminder, check out my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. My latest 
is a uh, look at the uh, the cult classic television show, The Night Stalker, with Carl Kolschak, starring the late actor uh, Darren McGavin. Uh, that's the latest. Actually, it dropped uh, Sunday, but um, it's available to you now. Just go to Conspiracy Unlimited podcast.com conspiracy unlimited podcast.com all right we are back with carl gallops uh the author of gods of the final kingdom and let's uh let's grab a quick call here dan is in massachusetts dan good morning and welcome welcome how are you sir terrific thank you yeah you know i've uh hearing the conversation tonight it sort of reminds me of well i've read dante's divine comedy and I, I just find out that you know it's uh, it could it could the the afterworld be something similar to that? You know, I'm just wondering about you know because yeah. Go ahead, well, you can elaborate on that if you would. Yeah, all right. Well, and the idea of of different different levels of hell, different realms, and so forth. As it is the same in purgatory and uh, heaven, you know, and paradise, as yeah. described in in his readings and all, you know, and. Uh, you know, he's even maybe he elaborated that even some popes and priests and bishops have gone to hell if they sinned or been crooked on, on earth. You know, it's, I, I've read him pretty extensively and I just find him totally interesting. And I've had the same kind of thought of that's possibly the way it is. I mean, yeah. interesting. Well, Carl, what do you think? Dante's yeah, Inferno. Thanks. Hey, Al, thank, first of all, thanks for listening tonight and thanks for, for uh, calling and thank you for that question. I mean, listen, I, I love it when people think about these things like that. Um, let me just say this. Listen, I'm familiar with Dante, and, and it's possible that some of that is similar to reality. But I measure, and I'm not talking down to you, I'm sure you do as well, but I'm just saying I measure reality based upon what the Word of God clearly reveals. Now, uh, concerning what you just spoke of, the Word of God literally, and this is going to upset some people that are listening, but you just got to deal with the Word of God. The Word of God does literally speak of, if you will, certain levels uh, in, in, in hell. And hell is prison. It's, you know, when you, by the time you get to the end of the book, Revelation chapter 20, it speaks of death and hell giving up the dead that are within them, and they're brought before the throne of judgment. So, so what is death and hell? It's prison. It's the holding place for the day of judgment. What happens then? Well, those that are not under the blood are thrown into the, quote, lake of fire. That's the descriptive term, but what we discover that is it's another dimension. It, they're shoved in a portal into another dimension never to come in contact with the presence of God again or God's people who are under the blood, who are obedient to the Lord. So, But what we read, though, is in Jude and in Peter, for example, Second Peter and in Jude, we read of angels, for example, that are put in, the Bible says, the lowest regions of hell, or Tartarus, the Greek word says, in the dungeons if, of, of hell, if you will, the lowest regions, because, because of their egregious sin, and the, and the inference is all the way back to the time of the flood and the, and the horrific perversion that was taking place then. And, and then, of course, when Jesus gives us this description, some say it's a parable, some say it was a real-life thing that he was telling us, doesn't matter. The point is, he was getting the point across, the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man is in hell, but there's a chasm between him and paradise. He can see Lazarus. He wants to talk to him, but he can't. And Abraham is allowed the key to the portal. He comes through, and he speaks to the rich man, and he says, look, you can't go over there, and they can't come over here. There's a chasm here. It cannot be crossed. 
and the and the intimation is the reason Abraham crossed it is because Jesus holds the keys to those. Apparently, you know, Abraham was given the permission, and then Jesus is telling this uh, parable or real life account to help us understand that look, you've got this one life. You live it for God or you don't. It's your choice. It's your life. But we if will, you right. don't, then it's over. And so there may be different levels, but Al, that's what the Word of God says. I hope that helps you. Thank you. Dan, actually. Dan in Massachusetts. Great call. Thank you. So, I mean, mean, these realms, uh, you talked about the rich man and Lazarus, and he could clearly see. He's in hell, but he can clearly see our realm from where he is. In other words, the angelic realm, uh, the demonic realm, hell, heaven, they could be literally nanometers in front of our nose, right? Yeah. Not, you know, out there somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. And listen, if if people will read the book right before this, Gods of Ground Zero, I address that there in great detail using scriptures and the writings of people that wrote a hundred or two hundred years ago. They didn't know how to use the word multiple dimensions or portals, but they used the words they had to describe the very thing you just said, Gods of Ground Zero. And then Gods of Final Kingdom I talk about that very thing again, except now I, I, I speak of it in, in much greater scientific terms and connecting scriptures to scripture. So you're right. I have come to the belief, I believe as the Bible presents it, and dozens of scholars believe this too, that it is not some place that's out there. It is in our, that's why Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, look, the kingdom of heaven is among you now. If you could only grasp it, if you could only see it, it is among you. Now, now, of course, he meant his very presence. He represented the kingdom of heaven. But, but the, the wording there in the Greek is very specific. It's very clear. He meant that this reality of what is to come that is behind this veil, it is just, it's nanometers from your nose. It is here. It is among you. You just can't see it. You're a goldfish in a goldfish bowl, but all around you is a universe of reality right before your nose, but yet you can't poke through yet. You cannot see it until you are equipped to live in this. And the Word of God we, says that over and over in many different ways. Carl, when we come back, we'll talk about when God decides to join us in the goldfish bowl. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra from Zoomer Radio. All right, we are back. Final segment with uh, Carl Gallops, the author of Gods of the Final Kingdom. Carl, before I forget, uh, how do we get a hold of the book, which is just newly out this day, I think. Yeah, thank you. It, it, you can get it wherever good books are sold, and uh, of course you can get it on Amazon for those that shop on Amazon. Books a million, Barnes and Nobles on the internet, uh, again in 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 brick and mortar bookstores. If they don't have it in stock, and most of them will, you can order it. You can go to my website, carlgallops.com. By the way, I would tell your audience if you'll go to my website, carlgallops.com, you'll see the banner. You can't miss it. Click on it. Get a lot of information about it. Plus, you can read inside thirty or forty pages. Plus, see the whole table of contents. You can get an idea of where this book goes, the dozen topics it deals with and it connects them together. Plus, you can get a, a taste of the writing style and, you know, whether or not you think you're going to like the book. And uh, so I, I want people to know what they're getting. I think they're going to love it, but uh, just go to carlgallops.com. So let's talk now about this idea. Again, we we'll go back to this, uh, the, the fish tank analogy. I, I love it because it's, it's very Thanks. clear. Uh, 
so God in the flesh decides to join us in this goldfish tank, this fish yeah. tank uh, that that is fallen. Uh, so, but for in order for for God to come in the flesh as Jesus into our fallen world, uh, he has to he has to be born into this world, obviously through the Virgin Mary. The question is, how does this incarnation embryo happen? How does how does Jesus get inside uh, Mary's womb? You know what's so cool? Thank you for asking me that. It is so obvious you've read the book. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> it, because, listen, this th- th- I loved writing these chapters. I loved researching it. Here's the bottom line. The angel Gabriel, the Scriptures gives it away for those that have eyes to see and ears to hear. The angel Gabriel tells us how it happens because he connects it all the way back to Genesis 1-1. The angel Gabriel says to Mary, look, and I'm just going to paraphrase, but he said, look, here's what God's got planned. And by the way, this Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And in other words, only God, you know, knew from the beginning exactly what he was going to do. This was the plan before he even breathed into Adam's nostrils, before the foundation of the world. This whole plan for Jesus being slain for our sin was already laid in place. So the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and he says, look, God's getting ready to fulfill his plan. He's getting ready to fulfill his promise. And he wants to borrow your womb. You are a precious young lady. You're not perfect. You're in a fallen world, but you love God. And you've kept yourself pure. And God wants to use you and bless you. Your name will be known forever. There will be heartaches involved because you're going to have to watch this little one of yours grow into a man, be persecuted, suffer, and die. But he is Messiah. He is, you will give him the name Jesus because it means salvation. God is going to save. Are you willing to do this? She says, be it done unto me as you say. I am the Lord's servant. And the angel Gabriel says, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit of God will overshadow you. And this thing that is to be born, in other words, that's, that's one of the translations, but this little one, this one who is to be born will be called the Son of God, Most High, Emmanuel, God with us, in your womb. All right, now, so you say, how did this happen? Gabriel said it. The Holy Spirit of God would overshadow her. Now, go all the way back to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. But the Spirit of God hovered over, or overshadowed, all of it. And God said, let there be, and there was. This embryo that was in Mary's womb, was not born of the will of man, the Bible says. Joseph nor Mary had anything to do with it. She loaned her womb, and the Holy Spirit of God formed within her womb an embryo. Now, that's what happened. That's what the Bible says. That's what the angel Gabriel said. And, and I saw that, and I, I said, oh my gosh, this is, this is astounding. And I went back through the dozens and dozens of the classical scholars, and almost every one of them says that that's what happened. The embryo was created out of nothing. And people say, yeah, but, you know, that means that the Son of God would have would have had a sinful nature, a sinful body, because he came from the womb of Mary, but he didn't come by human, he didn't come by human origins. The Bible says that. Right. Not right. By the well, womb. He, I mean, you... And, 
Right, because he's there's the placenta, there's G, there's Mary's blood, there's Mary's DNA. So you would think that he would possess this. I mean, she had a sinful nature because she was human, and all humankind had fallen. So the idea is, well, then why wouldn't he? But as you point out, uh, you know, the the a baby's uh, circulatory system is totally separate from the mother's. The yeah. DNA is different. There's just sort of delve into that for a few minutes because yeah. we're almost at the top of the hour. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll just say it as simply as this. I reference it with medical resources, scientific resources. The blood is different. That's why blood types are different. The circulatory system is different. Um, the, the genetics are different. The DNA is different. Uh, when, a, when a baby is in the womb of a woman, within weeks of conception, doctors can detect that pregnancy by blood. There is another set of DNA in the bloodstream of the woman separate from the mom. So the DNA is different. The blood is different. The placenta acts as an interface. And so the baby receives nourishment and eliminates waste and receives oxygen, etc., but doesn't receive the DNA or the blood of the mom. It is, a, it is an interface. And so the embryo at that point, especially if it's created in the womb by the Holy Spirit of God, by God's Word, it is a completely separate being. So when the Son of God is born, he is born of the womb of a woman, but is born in sinless flesh so that he can be the Savior. Total man, yet total God, inhabited by God himself, brother. I mean, it's unbelievable to think of who, what human would want to become a goldfish and lower themselves to get in a stinky, corrupt, polluted goldfish bowl to tell the goldfish, there's a whole world around you you can't even see. But if you'll believe in me, I'll let you share it with me. Gods of the Final Kingdom, available at Amazon and wherever good books are sold. Carl, always a delight. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. It's my delight. Thank you, Richard, and to your audience. God bless you. Carl Gallops. All right, my thanks to Ryan White and Owen Wolf. Back next week, we'll do that tribute to Stanton Friedman with Don Schmidt, Roswell investigator, and of course, Rosemary Ellen Guiley in the second hour. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing hidden that won't be revealed and nothing, sorry, let me try that again, nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known what you hear in the dark. Speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home or at least up the stairs. Good night. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740.
and welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Best-selling author Carl Gallops is here for the full two hours. With the third in his Gods trilogy, first we had Gods and Thrones, and then the Gods of Ground Zero, and now comes Gods of the Final Kingdom. And if I'm not mistaken, it is now available on, on Amazon as of today, or maybe yesterday, but uh, hot off the presses, as we say. Uh, we are going to dive deep into the cosmic mysteries of the Bible, including hyperdimensions, time travel, yes, time travel, quantum physics, the battle of good versus evil, and the cosmic war between Satan and humankind. And we'll even touch, uh, believe it or not, on the Large Hadron Collider, CERN, in Switzerland, and another one in China. Did you know there's another one in China? How do these fit into the cosmic war? So, sit back and enjoy the discussion for the first hour, and then we will make the phone lines available to you in hour two for questions and comments. My technical producer is Owen Wolf, and my live stream producer is Ryan White. And we are live streaming tonight, including video. So get on up to my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't already done so. All right, strap yourself in and get ready. This promises to be quite a ride. And Carl's latest book, as I mentioned, is Gods of the Final Kingdom. Now get this subtitle. Unveiling the secrets of the raging celestial war that ultimately results in the restitution of all things brought to life in the theater of your mind and soul. I can't wait. I'm going to dispense with my usual preamble and programming notes. Let's get right to this. Carl Gallops has been a senior pastor on the Northwest Florida Gulf Coast since 1987. He's a critically acclaimed Amazon Top 60 bestselling author, a longtime Gulf Coast talk radio host, Freedom Fridays. You can check it out on 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. He serves on the board of Regents at the University of Mobile in Alabama. And he's a former decorated Florida law enforcement officer, a graduate of the Florida State University, Florida Police Training Academy, and the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He opened the Donald Trump campaign rally for president in Pensacola, Florida, back in January of 2016. He's been deputized as a special deputy by Sheriff Joe Ar um, Arpaio back in 2016. He's the author of a number of Amazon bestsellers, including The Magic Man in the Sky, The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, When the Lion Roars, Be There, Be Thou Prepared, Final Warning, and as I mentioned, the trilogy, Gods and Thrones, Gods of Ground Zero, and his latest, Gods of the Final Kingdom, Carl Gallops. How are you, my friend? Welcome to The Conspiracy Show once again. Richard Serrett, my dear friend, thank you so much for having me on. What an honor to be with you and your amazing audience. God bless you, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. It's always a delight. So uh, this is the third. Is this the final? Is, is this the third and final installment of the Gods trilogy? 
I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I didn't set out to force a trilogy. It's just that I've been preaching and teaching and researching for so long, decades and decades, 35 years in ministry, 33 years in one church. This stuff just had to get out of my mind and out of my soul and on the paper. And so I wrote the first book, Gods and Thrones, and, and then just, you know, people loved it. And I kept getting more questions, go deeper, go deeper. So I went even deeper with Gods of Ground Zero. And then people had more questions. Go deeper, go deeper. So I wrote Gods of Final Kingdom. So, yeah, it's kind of a trilogy, but I do want to emphasize to your audience that they don't have to read the books in any particular order. And they are nonfiction books. I mean, they are... There, there's a lot of illustrations and creative writing to to bring the reader into it, like like this subtitle says, in the theater of the mind. I love preaching and teaching in a way that helps people to see things in their head. Uh, I, I have people read my books and say it's like watching a movie when I'm reading this book. So I pray so, but so I'm just telling telling your audience that you can pick up any one of these books you want in any order. So if you've never heard of them before, and now you're hearing this one, go ahead and get it. Read it. They stand alone. But I do urge your audience that if you will read all three of them, you will, by the time you're finished with those three books, you will have a much clearer vision than you've ever had of the connecting, contextual connection from Genesis to Revelation. And it'll be like a miniature seminary education. And and I say that with all humility. I, I don't mean I'm such a great writer. I'm just talking about the depth of these topics that the Bible speaks of, that you rarely hear preached in pulpits uh, or in, in Bible study classes or Sunday school classes. Yet the classic commentators, Richard, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, as well as modern-day scholars, they are seeing these very same things, or they have seen for those in the past. And, and, and the modern guys, I mean, they're seeing the same things I'm seeing, and they're beginning to make these connections, but yet scholars from 100, 150 years ago saw this stuff, they wrote about it prolifically, but it just didn't make its way into the fluffy, uh, shiny, soft preaching and, and, and that's in most American churches and North American churches and pulpits. So I'm just wanting people to know the real crux and the heart and the heartbeat, the pulse of God's Word, and, and, and that's what I'm trying to do. I want to wake people up to the times we're living in and what the Word of God says about it, Richard. And we'll get into certainly, you know, the, 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 the cosmic war, the battle of good versus evil and Satan's war against humankind. But one of the big takeaways for me, aside from that, which, of course, is central to the to the book, but is uh, I mean, I, I in the preamble or in the introduction, I talked about how we're going to get into uh, the existence of of hyperdimensions. We're going to talk about quantum physics. I mean, you quote Michio Kaku in this book. This is far reaching. We're going to talk about time travel. We're going to talk about this is the the interesting another interesting aspect. We're going to actually work uh, the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland into the discussion. And people are sitting back and saying, wait a minute, where are you going with all of this? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, thank you. Yeah. And and please, I want your audience to know this is not fiction. It's not science fiction. This is scientific truth and biblical truth, and it's contextual, backed up by tons of word research and scholars that have seen it for ages. So I think we're going to have fun tonight. I just want your audience to know I'm not pulling this stuff out of my back pocket, and it's not stuff I've invented in my head to be sensational. This is the stuff of the Word of God that so many people have missed. Uh, 
much of your audience probably will be familiar with some of this, but I, but I hope that everybody that listens tonight will will learn or hear something that they will say, oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. I didn't know that. I didn't see that, but there it is. And, and, I, and I'm, that's what I'm hoping and praying that a lot of your audience, that's the kind of experience they'll have tonight. Well, let's talk about realms that are literally, you know, right in front of our nose, but we're not aware of them. Yeah. Uh, and, and this, you know, this in a way it goes back to the Garden of Eden because there wasn't, you know, once upon a time there was no division. It was, right. uh, you know, God was walking amongst us and the angels and so forth. And then, of course, after the fall, there was this this division, this separation between us yeah. and God. But yeah. you you begin the book with a, a, a an amazing, uh, compelling firsthand angel story, an angelic encounter. And, yeah. and and tell me about that because that talks that speaks to how sometimes we that that veil momentarily disappears. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I spend in all of my chapters the pages are only about five pages each, and they're easy to read. But I spend the first four or five chapters unpacking that story. So I'll give a very brief synopsis, and your folks can get the book and read all the details. But I can whet their appetite for it. Yeah, listen. As I said, I've been in the ministry now for for over three decades, and and I've had two or three really huge supernatural uh, uh, experiences. Um, And one of them I start this book with, you just referred to it, um, an angelic encounter, an angelic appearance. Now listen, I, I don't say this lightly. I don't take it lightly. I start the book by saying, I don't remember exactly my exact words. I don't have it in front of me, but I... I try to be very humble about this, Richard, because I am not a sensationalist. You know, I, I don't just sit around looking for things to just, you know, to tweak people. I, I, I just deal with black and white. I was a cop. I, I did criminal investigations and deputy sheriff and patrol officer in two different sheriff's offices, three different sheriffs for, for years. And so I think in black and white, I think in show me the evidence. I mean, give me the, the stuff. Give me the forensics. I don't want to speculate on things. So, so I hesitated to put this real life thing that happened to me in this book except for the fact that it was it, it was semi witnessed by so many people let me explain uh and and again i unpack it in detail in the book but the bottom line this goes back some 20 years ago in my ministry had a real traumatic occurrence in our church uh, again they can read the book to get the details there um we had to 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 really work through some tough things it was no fault of our church it was no fault of any staff in our church but we had some uh, some really vicious attack leveled against our church and we needed to deal with it the church that i pastor i'm still pastoring that church i've pastored it for 33 straight years uh but it got really bad it got really nasty and back in those days the community that i'm in now that i was in then the same community was much smaller than it is now i think it was like 30,000 people in the whole county back then now there's several hundred thousand people so it's grown a lot but 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 back then it was small and so when all of this stuff blew up in and around our church and I was dealing with it in the in the most solid biblical way that I could I was surrounded by good what you if you call them elders deacons people that surrounded me with my pastoral staff trying to work through this trying to protect the innocent, uh, because there were innocent people that got sucked up in this nastiness, as well as dealing with the guilty, the ones that just wouldn't get it right, the ones that wouldn't repent, the ones that were determined they were going to just cover it up, trash me, run me out of town, so they could just stay involved in their darkness. 
And so we began to deal with it. And, and anyway, ultimately, we finally dealt with it. We dealt with the situation. We actually had to vote a, a, a family out of the church. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done. We gave them every opportunity to, behind closed doors to sweetly make this right in the way that the Word of God prescribes, in the way that Jesus Christ himself prescribes in Matthew 16. But they just wouldn't do it. So it just came down to either, you know, them or me. And it, it, was, it was a horrible thing. So bottom line is, so after it's over, there was a heaviness that lifted from our church, and, and I felt good about that. I knew we had done the right thing, um, and I was second-guessing myself, you know, like, could I have done this better? Could I, should I have said this? Should I have given them one more chance? So I was really a little discouraged, even though I knew that, that the right thing had been done, and I didn't know where to go with it. So bottom line, I relate this story, and this is this is astounding. Your your audience, I think, is going to be pretty astounded by the time I finish this. So I go to our local hospital back then to visit. I'm just getting on with my pastoral ministry, and uh, I'm standing at the elevators. There's only four floors in this hospital back then. Um, much bigger area, much bigger hospitals now, but 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 again, 25, 30 years ago, and. And I'm standing in front of the elevators, and I see that it's on the fourth floor, the very top, and it's on its way down because I've punched it. I, I need to go up to the fourth floor. Well, when the elevator doors open, and, and really this, this whole thing we had just gone through was only about a week old, and so I'm still really reeling from it. It's always on my mind. I'm praying, you know, Lord, did I do the right thing? I, I don't know. I mean, good gracious, this is so bad. And the door opens, and there's a gentleman standing on the elevator, uh, I was much younger then than I am now, and he was older than me, but but uh, very debonair, you know, just dressed nicely, had an aura about him that was so peaceful. I mean, he almost looked grandfatherly, but but just dressed sharply and had a pleasant smile. He says, uh, you know, and I'm expecting him to get off the elevator because obviously he'd come down. And I'm thinking, well, you're at the bottom floor, so you're going to get off. So I step aside. and But he just looks at me and says, what, what floor? He said, get, get on. What floor? And I thought, well, maybe he's changed his mind. So I got on. I, I said, hey, thanks. I appreciate it. I said, fourth floor. He said, okay. Door shut. He pushed the fourth floor. He looks at me, and he says, you're Pastor Carl Gallops, aren't you? And I said, oh, well, yeah. I said, have, have we met before? And and this is before I was ever in media. I wasn't on radio. I didn't have my radio program. I wasn't on TV like I am now and wasn't writing books. And just, you know, the pastors in the local area, we knew each other, and all, we all knew each other. I'd, I'd never seen this guy in my life. And, and I said, yeah, have we met before somewhere? And he says, oh, no. And his words to me, Richard, were, you don't know me. We've never met, but I know all about you. I mean, he literally said that. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. I, I was a little little, um, you, you know, disconcerted. What do you mean? That's a little, uh, a little presumptuous to say you know all about me. This is before the days of social media and, and, and pervasive Internet, you know. So, so he said that, and then he said, but I'm a, I'm a fellow minister with you here in this community. Now, for, for your listeners that know anything about the Word of God, several times angels are called, quote, fellow ministers with us. And it didn't really hit me on the elevator, but I think he dropped that hint because he said, I'm a fellow minister with you. And I said, okay, uh, I thought he meant like a pastor. And I was just getting ready to say, what church do you pastor? When he said to me, listen, he said, uh, I know you've been through some horrible, horribly tough times at your church. 
And then I thought, well, now this is getting interesting, although a lot of the community knows. You know, I wonder what he knows. I wonder if he's related to some of those families. I mean, all this was going through my mind. And then he said, he said, listen, our Heavenly Father has sent me to tell you, you've done the right thing to just calm down. Don't, Because, see, I was thinking about quitting. I mean, I literally was thinking about quitting the ministry. My wife and I had had some serious talks and prayers about it because the attacks were so vicious and the whole situation right. and he was, And he related details to you about that case that nobody outside your family knew. Yes, that's the next thing I was getting ready to say, Richard. You're right. And thank you for reading the book. God bless you, brother. <laughs> but but no, no, so so he he says that, and I'm thinking, this guy is so presumptuous to tell me he's speaking on behalf of the of the God of the universe to bring me a message. But at the same time, I was so comforted by it. I was comforted by his presence. I I, I almost just didn't even want to leave the elevator. He was so nice. We got to the fourth floor. The doors opened, and I punched the hold button. And he said to me, and by the way, he said, let me tell you what you were dealing with. And brother, like you just said, he begins to relate details about the inside stuff that happened, stuff most of it my deacons and pastors knew because I had related it to them so that they could help me resolve it. But there was one detail in particular that was very nasty, very hurtful, very powerfully profound. It had a grip on my wife and I during this situation, and only my wife and I knew it. Only the two of us knew about this. And he described it in detail, even attached a name to it. I'm not at liberty. I didn't put it in the book, and I explained this in the book better than I'm explaining it here. But And I can't do it over this broadcast, of course, but he attached a name to it. And he said, this was the spirit of, and he said it, and he said it was designed to entrap you, to have power over you, and to destroy you. But you walked right through the trap, and our Heavenly Father wanted me to tell you he is proud of you and that you have done well, and that he is going to bless you for it, and for you to stay in the ministry. And I'm thinking, how did you know I was going to quit? How did you know this situation? How did you know these details? I was dumbfounded. And and I know now, and I say this in the book, I should have asked him a million questions, mm. but... Yeah, like, I was mind. thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And see, I was an investigator for years, and a cop. I mean, I know how to do that. But my mind just froze. It was like he knew it, and he just kind of smiled at me. And he stuck out his hand. I shook his hand, and, and then he said, well, listen, I've got somebody to see. He said, um, I'll see you around. And I said, uh, okay. And he, and he turned, and he, and he got off the elevator, and he turned to the right. I want your audience to visualize this. And then right around the elevator bank, there was a hall that went through some double wooden doors down into the rehab unit of the hospital. I went straight ahead out of the doors, right, the nurse's station is right there. They could see everybody getting on and off the elevators. So I went straight to the nurse's station. I'm still very shaken by what's just happened, but I'm still feeling peaceful about it. I mean, when I say shaken, I mean, how could he know these things? Who is this guy? Why does he know all of this stuff about me and stuff only my wife and I know, but I don't know him? Never seen him before. And why did I feel so peaceful around him? Why did I feel like he had just ministered to me? How did he know that I was going to quit? 
and, and so I walked to the nurse's station and I asked the room for the patient I was going to see. They gave it to me. I walked down the hall to the left. Okay, so he's gone to the right through these double wooden doors to the uh, to the uh, rehab center. So Carl, I got to jump in here. I got to jump in. Just stand by. We'll uh, pick this up on the other side. Carl Gallup's angelic encounter as we discuss gods of the final kingdom right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Carl Gallups is here. Best-selling author, longtime senior pastor, and the author of Gods of the Final Kingdom. And before the break, we were talking about this angelic encounter of this, um, this man you got on an elevator. He seemed to know a lot, an awful lot, about a particular chapter in your, your life and your ministry and yeah. things that only you and a few other people knew. Yeah, And uh, so he rides up to the fourth floor with you in the hospital, gets off, turns right, you go left, uh, and then you yeah. come back to the nurse's station. So yeah. Pick it up from there, Carl. Yeah, and this is really the punchline of the whole thing. And I'm, I'm sorry it took so long to get here, but I just wanted people to know. It's if I worth had come it. Straight, it's worth it. Do what? It's worth it. Okay, good. Yeah, if I had just gone straight to the punchline, people said, oh, yeah, really true. But to hear the whole under the foundation, I think, will help a lot, because this is powerful. It's changed my life forever. It changed my ministry forever. But the bottom line is, yes, I come back to the nurse's station, and I stopped, and I, I, I then I was determined, I've got to talk to this guy. I've got to ask him more questions. Just who is he? What church does he pastor? Where is he from? How could he know that detail? I'm telling you, Richard, I wish I could share with your audience. I finally did share this detail with my closest staff and my deacons. They were blown away. They said, that is impossible. That is absolutely impossible. He could not have known that. And I I said, I know. And not only that, but he understood the intricate details of how that detail fit into this whole scenario. I I, I, so so I walked back to the nurse's station, and I asked him, I said, excuse me, and I, and I knew both of the young ladies back then. Um, uh, we were all much younger back then. They've since retired, but I remember them, and, and, and they knew me. And so I asked them. I called them my name, and I said, look, you know, a minute ago when I got off the elevator, I was on there with obviously a, a pastor in the community, and I said he, he, he went into the rehab unit there. Do you guys – you saw him there. Do you Do you know – who he is? Do you know what church he pastors? Do you know anything about him? Has he come out? I mean, is he still in there? I mean, well, what do you know? Help me. I need to talk to him. Brother, they looked at me like I had lost my mind. And one of the girls spoke up and said, Pastor Carl, nobody was on the elevator with you when you got off. I said, wait a minute. I said, I stood there and talked to him with the door open. You looked at me. I'm, I'm right there in front of you. We acknowledged each other. And she said, Carl, I'm telling you, you were on there by yourself. Nobody was on there. She said, nobody has gone through those doors. And nobody has they come They watched out. you get off on yes. by yourself. Yes. yes. And, and brother, I don't even remember what I said, Richard. I was just so freaked out now that I, I, I you know, again, ex-cop, black and white, forensics. I know what I saw. I know what I heard. I know what I know, and, and I'm not going crazy. I've never had anything like that before, never had anything like that since. And, I, it, and, I, and, and so 
I just left the nurse's station. I went right through the double doors. I went down the halls of the rehab unit. It was a small hospital then. There were only about 15 rooms. And I'm looking in the rooms. Most of them were unoccupied. The four or five that were, I just kind of popped my head in. I didn't hear or see anybody like him in there. I went down to that nurse's station. I inquired about the guy, described him in detail. They said, Nobody fitting that description has come in here. As a matter of fact, in the last 30 minutes, there have been no visitors in this unit. And she said, you're welcome to go look. I said, well, I've already looked. She said, well, on your way out, just stick your head. You're a pastor. Just stick your head in the doors and look again. And I did. There was nobody there. I went back to the front nurse's station, and they said, we're we're serious, Carl. We're not pulling you like nobody was on the elevator with you. I said, okay, thank you. And I got on the elevator, and I'm thinking, they think I've lost my mind. I, I went down, I, I went home, I told my wife everything, and she just looked at me matter-of-factly, and she said, you've had an angelic visitation. She said, this, this one was from the throne of God. He told you things that nobody else knew. And what was his word to you? That the Father is happy with how you handle it. Calm down, don't quit, keep going. And then he even told you something to prove who he was. He told you something that only you and I knew. And she said, this was an angelic visitation if there ever was one. And I'm telling you, Richard, I start the book with that, and I tell it much better than I'm telling it here in the book, because, you know, you can edit it and go back through and everything. But but I'm telling you, Richard, it 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 took me several more days for it to finally hit me what had happened to me. And then I went and read all those scriptures about angels and entertaining strangers. Be careful how you entertain strangers, lest, lest you're entertaining an angel. Um, how the angelic beings can present themselves and often do as human beings. Um, right. and, 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 and that they give hints. They don't glorify themselves, but they give hints as to who they are so that you know. And, if, I mean, they met every biblical requirement. I went and really searched this. I wanted to make sure I hadn't seen a demon or something, you know. But, but it was everything was lovely and peaceful. He spoke truth. He spoke of the Heavenly Father, never spoke of himself, other than to just say, I'm a fellow minister with you. His whole heart was directed towards my heart. And I'm telling you, I've had other experiences, and I don't have time to share them now, but I shared that one in that book because I wanted you and your audience and the readers to know the Word of God is true on these things, man. I mean, again, I go back to my cop experience and all my years in the ministry. These things, two or three things like that have happened to me, but only over 30 or 40 years. It's not an everyday thing. I don't walk around right. looking you, for it. You're very careful to point out you don't, you don't, you're not constantly walking around summoning angels into your life That's because, right. as you say, that can leave you very, I mean, this is an awesome power we're talking about. It can leave you yeah. spiritually vulnerable. It's not something that you trifle with. You don't yeah. ask them to come into your life, but, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't happen often, but it illustrates the point that this dimension, this angelic realm, if you will, yeah. is really literally right in front of our nose, but we can't perceive it until they decide. So yeah. I, I wanted to talk about and, and segue into multiple dimensions and, and because that is central uh, to this book. And you, 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 you have a wonderful demonstration of this. It really illustrates how, how multiple dimensions can exist in front of us. Yeah. You use the analogy of a fish tank yeah, and a, and a, and a, uh, a fish uh, whose name is uh, something red. Right, yeah. it's a goldfish. Yeah, I just gave him a name, Eddie Red. Yeah, that was a, Eddie that Red. Was a name yes. my grandson gave his goldfish many years ago, so it just popped in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> he called him Eddie Red. I don't know where he got the name, but it was funny. I thought it would fit well in the book. But you want me to kind of relate that? 
Yeah, just uh, give us sort of the truncated version. We've got about, uh, I don't know, maybe five, six minutes here before we head into the next break. So let's see if we can uh, get this one done. Yeah, I can do that. No problem. Well, I just use the illustration of, look, uh, imagine a fish tank. And I'm not talking about a fishbowl. I'm talking about, let's say, in a millionaire's mansion. And and one side of the wall is just one of these exotic, huge tanks and all of these fish in it. Now, to the fish that are in there, that's their world. That's their universe. I mean, they can see through the glass dimly, which is what the Scripture says we do. Uh, They can tell that something is out there, but they don't really know what. And even if they think they know, they can't comprehend human life and the world on the outside, etc. But in the meantime, I I, I go through that scenario in the book about their world, their life, and then I say, imagine if one day a hand reaches into that and pulls one out. And let's say that hand, of course, is attached to a human. And let's say that human, for the sake of this illustration, had the power to turn that fish, to transform that fish into a glorified body, if you will, to transform it into a human being. And if that fish then is standing in beside the fish tank, and he has this revelation, all of a sudden he can speak our language, all of a sudden he understands everything perfectly. He looks around the room, he says, oh my gosh, that fish tank, I thought that was my whole world, but it's just a part of a greater reality, and I have come out of it. Now I'm in something that's even more real, if you will. I feel more alive than I've ever felt. I have more faculties about me, more sensations than I ever had as a fish. And I look in there, and then he looks around the room, and the, and the and, and let's say the owner of the mansion, and maybe a few family members are there, and they're kind of laughing, welcoming him there to that existence. And then they say, oh, but wait, we've got stuff to show you. So they open another door to the room. Let's call it a portal. And he opens it, and, and he sees the rest of the mansion, an upstairs, a downstairs, a huge living room, a sunken living room. He, you know, he sees all of these rooms and doors. He goes into each door and each room, and if you will, he's going through portals into other dimensions, and he's looking at all of these amazing things, and he thinks, oh my gosh, this is, this is, I can't even imagine. I never knew this existed. There's no way I could have even dreamed this. And then they say, oh, but wait a minute, it gets better. He said, how can it get better? They take him to the front door. They open the front door, and he sees the world. He sees the birds and the trees and the grass and the flowers. He sees cars going by and children. He sees bicycles, and, you know, he hears the sounds of life, and he's just overwhelmed, and they take him out, well, to speed the story up. They put him in a car. They take him down the interstate. He sees all of that. They put him in an airplane. They fly him over the earth. He sees that. They take a submarine ride. They go under the oceans. He sees that. They go on a big, you know, uh, uh, cruise ship. He goes across the oceans. He sees all of that. Then he begins to discover that there are 7 billion other human beings on the planet. And he gets so far away from that fish tank, it's like it doesn't even exist. It's way back there in that mansion in that room. Then they put him on a space shuttle, and he goes out into space. And (laughs) then they let him look through a telescope, and he sees the universe. And then they let him look through a microscope. And he sees the, uh, the, the, the subatomic particles of, of the quantum mechanics that govern the universe. And he just, he is overwhelmed with dimension after dimension after dimension. And watch this. They are all physical. They are real. They, 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 most of it is intelligent. Um, it's, most of it is flesh and blood, different than the fish, but the fish have flesh. Right. Fish have blood. The fish are real, but now he has flesh. He has blood. He's real. By the way, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15. He uses almost this very same illustration. The point being, we are like the goldfish. We are real. Our life is important. 
The goldfish tank we're living in is important so much that God sent his son to die for us so that we could come into the mansion with him. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. And he says, and, and, but yet, yet, just as a goldfish could never comprehend the vastness of what surrounds him and what has been around him all along, but he couldn't see it, he couldn't experience it, so therefore he did not believe it even existed. Yet it did, it does, it always has, it always will, whether the goldfish understands it or not. Brother, we're the all goldfish. All right, Carl. And, and the we are the goldfish. Goldfish. <laughs> We'll uh, take a quick time. I'll come back. Carl Gallops, Gods of the Final Kingdom, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. This is a, a, <laughs> a book with, well, it just delves into so many different areas. We're talking about cosmic mysteries of the Bible, but we're also, as you'll discover, going to get into quantum, uh, quantum mechanics, uh, particle entanglement, uh, the Large Hadron Collider, Multiple Dimensions, Hyperdimensions, Time Travel, The Cosmic War. It all will come together, and it all comes together nicely in Gods of the Final Kingdom. Uh, Carl Gallup's my guest, senior pastor at Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, longtime talk show host, Freedom Fridays on the Gulf, Course, uh, Gulf Coast in Florida as well. We'll tell you how to listen to that. Uh, this is a short segment, Carl. It's about six minutes, but let's just talk briefly. As we're talking about this analogy of the of the fish that becomes human, now he's standing outside of the tank, inside a mansion. He's looking into the, the fish tank. Uh, he's visiting the different rooms in the mansion. He goes outside. He visits, you know, he flies 30,000 feet in the air. He, he travels under the, the oceans. He, he, he realizes that there are other dimensions. Uh, let's talk about the the evidence scientific a proof really that other dimensions exist now we used to, we, we're all familiar with the three dimensions and, and the fourth if you consider time uh, how many multi, how many how many dimensions are there according to theoretical physicists and how can we prove yeah. their existence yeah well listen and and I and I don't pretend like I am a theoretical physicist but I do you know, like to read the, uh, a lot about it, and so I understand enough to speak intelligently. And then, of course, in the book, I can reference you know uh, experts who do know what they're talking about, and their articles are amazing. But I did sleep in a Holiday Inn last night, so I should be able to do this anyway. <laughs> a little attempt at a joke there. Um, so, but anyway, no. So here's the deal, Richard. The thing is, the Word of God is clear. It starts off by, and I'm going to get exactly to the quantum physics, but it starts off by telling us, look, there's, there's, there's the throne of God. There was the Garden of Eden. Now it's sealed off. Now there's the fallen realm. But there's also what the Bible says is paradise. That Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be, you will be with me in paradise. There's, there's uh, uh, hell or prison or the holding place. Jesus talked about the rich man that died and went to hell. And there he, he was physical. He was real. He was alive. He was in a dimension. He could look across a chasm into another dimension in paradise where Lazarus was. And, and and so Jesus speaks about all of that. 
we also know there's a coming kingdom of God. There's a new Jerusalem that's coming, if you will, is how the Word of God describes it. There's a new age for the earth, a biblical new age, if you will, that's coming. So all of these dimensions, the Bible speaks of the sky in the last days, the heavens being rolled up like a scroll, the stars falling, the elements disappearing, and a brand new creation, everything made new. There's another. So there's five or six or seven dimensions of reality that the Word of God just insists that we believe. It doesn't explain them. It doesn't say, now look, you need to believe this because here's why. Here's the evidence. Here's why. It just starts off telling us. And then, of course, there's the angelic realm that comes through veils and portals and into our existence and out again. There's the demonic realm that comes in and out from time to time. The Bible is clear about that. And so, so yes, and so what does science say about all this? Well, uh, you know, theoretical uh, physicists are are clear that that they believe there's evidence now to state rather emphatically, statistically accurately, that there are absolutely multiple dimensions of reality and perhaps even multiple universes and you know the multiverse theory and 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 you know some of these top top physicists of 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 our life lifetime they're writing and researching and 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 giving lectures on this and teaching and talking about you know there may be 10 or 11 universes or maybe more uh, universes, my friend, not just dimensions, but entire right. areas of, of universal existence. I think you even mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, the number 103 possible dimensions comes up. And yeah. um, I may have that wrong, but it, that number jumped out at me. I go, wait a minute. I've, I've heard 10, maybe 12, 103. But as evidence, they talk about, and you reference this, people like Michio Kaku and other physicists, they reference how they can now demonstrate where a proton, or a subatomic particles, can exist in more than one place at a time, which means yeah. that we can exist in more than one place at a time. Yeah, well, I mean, if you carry it out to its nth degree, yes, it would mean that. Now, the, the physicists are very quick to admit that we've never been able to tr to transport uh, uh, something any larger than a proton from one place to another or or be in one or two places at one time, uh, but but doing it with these particles, uh, they have proven that it that it does happen that it can exist. The stuff of matter, the the particles, the stuff that creates atoms, that creates molecules, that creates matter, can be transported in multiple places at once. And so the Word of God tells us that people could be in multiple places at one time. Well, like the Apostle Paul, he speaks, he said, look, I, I know a man that was caught up to paradise. He's talking about himself. And then he, and then he speaks of uh, uh, third heaven. He says, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. In other words, he's saying, and a lot of the scholars, they, they parse those words in the language to say he's talking about that he was in one place, yet he was consciously aware and physically aware that he was also at the same time in another place. And it sounds the, suspiciously like particle entanglement, and we'll pick that up does. on the other side, Carl. Okay. Carl Gallops, Gods of the Final Kingdom, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.